When I decided to do this episode on sparring, I wrote out to a dozen people and asked them if they had any cool sparring stories. And Sensei Matt was great enough to write me back. And here's what he said. There was this one time in Sensei Greg's dojo that a song came on that had an awesome drum beat to it. And I happened to be sparring Sensei Proctor at the time. Oh, Sensei. We know Sensei Proctor is a percussionist. This must have been good. And he's been on the show before. Sensei Matt goes on to say, I got pounded every time the drums pounded. (laughs) It sounds like I didn't enjoy it, but to the contrary, I thought it was really cool. (laughs) Good luck with your episode. And I want to say thanks, Sensei Matt. That was so nice. Right? Yes. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to our episode on sparring. I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Landon. Welcome back. And yay, today we're joined by Sensei Jay. Ooh, rhyming. It's a triple. Yes, it is. Hello, everyone. My pleasure to be here. Okay, guys, I have one announcement before we get going. We are no longer going to be putting our guest pictures on our webpage. What we are going to do is we're going to try Instagram. I know, yikes, Adelic, we've gone one step further into the media, the quagmire that is social media. (laughs) Sensei Jackie has graciously, I don't know, did I twist her arm? (laughs) Volunteered to take on that insanity. So keep an eye out for a page called Wildcat Dojo. Okay, guys? Sensei. Now back to sparring. I think we've mentioned before that there are three big pillars to karate training. Kata, which is also known as forms. And it turns out, Landon, that we did not do a short on Kata. So I'm going to start working on an entire episode on Kata. That'll be fun, won't it? Oh, I think so. I wonder if our Kata stories will be more fun than our sparring stories. I think so. I don't have no idea. But they'll be fun. Anyway, there's also sparring, which is known as Kamite in Japanese. That's today's subject. And there's self-defense. I just realized that we don't know the Japanese word for self-defense. I looked it up and a Japanese translator online gave me four choices. But I'll get back to that on another day, okay? I think we should ask the audience for an interpretation, don't you, Landon? Us. We are all over the web at Wildcat Dojo, so you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, newly Instagram in the future. In the future. And wildcatdojo.com as well as dojo conversations at AOL.com. And one more time, I'm going to get us back on track. I'd like to start with this question, and it's for you guys. Is one of those three your favorite kata, kamite, or self-defense? What do you think, Sensei Jay? Self-defense is my first choice. I got to say, I, I am veering towards self-defense in these last years, but I've gone through stages sparring just because we haven't done it in a year and I want to hit somebody so bad (laughs) and get hit (laughs) yes that too I have to say whatever I'm doing at that time is my favorite I love kata I love kata I love sparring I love self-defense I love kata because you can do it when you're all by yourself and it's nothing like it's not a thing where you have to get all prepared and everything you can just stop what you're doing and do it it's fantastic us I just want to put on sparring gear again sensei true us So let's get started. When I started getting the idea to do this episode on sparring and I opened up the research, it was really strange because there is some information out there, Yes, but there isn't any presented in any kind of logical way. And there's very little about the history of competitive sparring. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure that we need it, but do you think a quick definition might be a good start? Oh, that's so smart. I think that's it. <laughs> well, it's pretty basic. It's where two people face each other striking and blocking just spontaneously. I know it sounds crazy, but it's super fun. It can be in the dojo for practice or at a competition. And then, of course, the objective is to win because, you know, who doesn't like a little bit of competitive? You're competing. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a competitive experience. And that opens up the door to, I got cheated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't win, you got cheated. That's the two things. There you go. That's the two things that happen at competition sparring. You win or you got cheated. cheated. There is no such thing as losing. It's the karate version of a fish story since the day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true though <laughs> but I'm going to add that according to Wikipedia our favorite source the word kamite literally translates to grappling hands really and that sparring ranges from point fighting where you win because you hit the targets more times all the way to knockout karate which we did discuss a few episodes back so go back and listen yes. I did add that by the way to our list of possible playbacks Us, coming up in May. Okay, all the sources have something that says hand-to-hand practicing and even competing has been around forever. But sparring as it is known now started, and this is just what I put inside my own mind from what I could find online about the mid-20th century. Hmm. So pick it up for me there, Sensei Jackie. Uh, Sensei, competition sparring is pretty recent. We found a site that said the Gichin Funakoshi student Masatoshi Nakayama held the first tournament, but it was in 1957. That was not that long ago. That's right. A site called FindingKarate.com says that on October 28, 1957, the first All Japan Association Championship was held in Tokyo at the Metropolitan Gymnasium. It was organized by the JKA. Us. And I'm adding that this tournament was supposedly the first to have rules. Look at that. Sensei Nakayama thought of this idea to make training more competitive. That's interesting. And I'll go back to the JKA and add that a simple Google search told me that it is the Japan Karate Association, of course, and Mr. Nakayama founded it in 1949. Their motto is Keepers of Karate's Highest Tradition. I like that motto. When you read it, were you like, that's good? It's good. It's good. I liked it. Weren't you, Landon? It's very cool. Yeah. I'll finish off this tangent with one more thing. The site that Sensei Jay mentioned called FindingKarate.com has a cool part of it called This Week in History, but karate related. Oh. Yes. And it's totally worth looking at if you have spare time. That is so cool. Yeah. I really liked reading it. They had some really cool things. Hmm. Okay. Now back to the history of sparring. On Wikipedia, we found what we think were the first two tournaments in the U.S. That's right. In 1964, Ed Parker held the International Karate Championship in Long Beach. And I'm pretty sure that you guys mentioned that in your episode about Ed Parker and Elvis. We definitely did. All over again. We sure did. Not only did we mention that before, but did you guys know that we already have Ed Parker in our rerun list? No. I didn't realize that. (laughs) Who knew? There's and, there's more rerun episodes than weeks. What are yeah, we gonna then do? we're going to do. Can we get back to the two tournaments? Smart move. Thanks. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. The second tournament actually happened before Mr. Parker's. Ah. Oh. 
1962, Peter Urban held the first American championship at Madison Square Garden, and he incorporated the point system. Sensei, can I interrupt and add that we did find video of that event? It was pretty amazing. Try to search it out if you have a minute. Good call, Landon. It was a treasure trove of pioneers. In the fight shown, Master Urban and Master Masutatsu Oyama were the judges. Wasn't it awesome? I watched it this morning. I was like, whoa. Unbelievable. That's a great segue to Master Oyama's style, Kyukushin, and the whole world of rules. Start me out, Sensei J. I'm sure you guys have talked about how rules change from tournament to tournament in other episodes, but the basics are pretty simple. If you're fighting for points, and that's the way most competitions run, you're hitting the trunk and head. Most competitions require protective gear and punish uncontrolled contact. You all agree with that? For sure. Definitely. I do. But Sensei, can I add one more thing about the match we watched from the year 1962? Of course. Well, the competitors were wearing these little tiny mitts on their hands and no foot or shin protection. I noticed that, and in our observation, a lot of styles don't and didn't require headgear. That's true. Even though I do like headgear on people under the age of 18, but please, let's not debate that here. Us. I'll keep it going by going back to Kyukushin Karate and saying that traditionally, Kyukushin doesn't wear any protective gear, and because of that, they don't hit the face. That's what we've always been taught. The MarshallWay.com said that because Mazuyama believed in the realistic trait of bare-knuckle fighting, he had to stop allowing hits to the face. In the late 1960s at a tournament in Japan, the people feared that if the face were open, someone might die. Whoa. And that was also in the 60s. The author suggested that anybody who wanted to should Google Irish bare-knuckle fighting if they wanted to see evidence of the brutality of bare knuckle fighting. I didn't do it. Did any of you? I did. And they showed some modern that would, reminded me just of street fighting. But there's a group of modern people called the Irish Neanderthals. And they're very cumbersome and strong in their fighting. And it's quite brutal. So was there a lot of face contact? Yes. And a lot of body contact? Face and upper body. They're all their shoulders. Boxing, are- not kicking. Boxing. Huh. Interesting. Was it a lot of toe-to-toe as opposed to dance around? Yes. Hmm. They're, they're heavyweight people. I was just going to say, did they seem like they were all heavyweights? Yes. Wow. Anybody want to say anything else about rules before I push? No, thank you. Okay, let's move on to the different types oh, of contact. Oh, there we go. Because we were just talking about hard contact. That's a good idea, Sensei. And can I start with my personal observation from the training and the way that you teach Sensei? Yes. Okay, so you start people out when you're... Although I'm nervous to hear it. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. You start people out when they're young with keeping the contact light and super safe. As we've gotten bigger and the kids that are in my adult class stronger and more confident, you let us fight each other a little bit harder. Maybe we would call it medium contact. But we still have to use light contact with beginners and young students, which is extremely important in my opinion. That sounds about right. And having that control to be able to go a little softer or a little harder, but still have that snap. Boy, that's a talent, isn't it? Uh, It, It certainly is. And can I add that light contact is traditionally known as jukumite, and hard contact is known as go-kamite. I've never heard a word for medium. Have you, Sensei? 
I have not, but that's interesting. I think the big difference between hard and medium contact is the goal of trying to knock someone out. Don't you guys? Yes. And I've always thought of medium contact as solid punches and kicks without the desire of trying to knock the guy out. What do you guys think about that thought? I think the thought is good. I think that sometimes the egos get in the way on medium contact and Mm -hmm. it may not be a stated goal of knockout. Okay. We better keep pushing, guys, because otherwise we're going to run out of time. Yes. Let's finish up this part with a couple of more details. I can't believe you're starting us out again, Landon. Us. Well, that's what I'm going to do. (laughs) So when I was reading the definition in the Overlooked Dictionary, it mentions three types of kumite. So there's ipon kumite, which is one-step sparring, sanban kumite, which is three-step sparring, and gohan kumite, which is five-step sparring. That's right, but they aren't what we think of as sparring because they're predetermined. You're playing the role of attacker or defender for one point, three points, or five points. It's meant to learn patterns. Us, and we weren't really trained that way. Master Collegian's style of teaching was to learn techniques during freestyle practice. That's true, Sensei J. I do teach sparring techniques in my dojo pretty regularly. Well, I do when we're not in COVID. Yes. And as we know, March, uh, no, April, April of 2021, we're getting closer and closer to be post-COVID. Come on, post-COVID. Come on. Come on. That's going to be the name of a horse. Post-COVID? That wins the derby. <laughs> you guys are so weird. <laughs> we are weird in a good way. We know that. Okay. We, we, we're starting to wind things down already. Oh, my goodness. So- I wrote on my script here, which would you rather do? Mention a favorite technique or tell a sparring story. But I actually am going to start this out with a a funny sparring anecdote. At the time, I really didn't understand it. But now looking back, when I've thought about it as a black belt looking back, I really see what Sensei was doing. So we would go out to open tournaments, right? And you would have half of a ring lined up with women. And you would be standing probably beside the person you were going to spar. Probably, right? And Master Collegian would walk through the ring and he would walk up to me and he would hit me on the arm and he would go with the straightest face ever. Don't get disqualified for hitting so hard this time, Michelle. And he would walk away and he would leave this poor girl standing beside me going, oh my gosh, as often as not, they would move. No way. (laughs) But everybody with an earshot had heard it. So he was like a psychological thing. He was psyching them out to think that I was some kind of really uncontrolled fighter it was hilarious when i look back on it i think it was hilarious isn't it cute that's very funny yes and it wouldn't work as good as at a shi because we all know each other too well right us but i think we're going to start out by talking about a few techniques and i think sensei jackie you decided to start us out i did i think my favorite sparring technique is um, as i'm moving out at the 45 i do a back fist and then i follow that with a ridge hand with the other hand and the same side roundhouse kick. Then I just keep on moving out and hope I get the points. Because we both fight lightweight, we love the hit and run rather than the stay toe to toe. It just makes sense, right? And I love the beginning of that technique where you step out with the 45 and run that back fist and follow it with the other back fist. Great technique. That's also a good one. And I love the one where you take the back fist off of the backhand and bring it around same hand into the ridge hand. I love that I one like too. I like that one too. Yeah. Anybody going to add in or are we going to go on to a story? That's my favorite too, is I like to back fist 
block as I'm stepping on a 45 and then follow with a back fist to the temple. Yeah, you do like that one. I remember that one coming in so many times. And also, Sensei Jay, you like to back fist over the top and I like to back fist over the top, but whenever I do, they call it a hammer fist. So it must be my gloves or how I lay my hand in when it comes down. Yeah, but it might also be because of his height, because I have certainly been backfisted over the top by Sensei Jay many times. <laughs> Listen, and that's not a sentence you hear every day. <laughs> and because of my age, and normally in a competition, I have I fight people that are bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I love a good grab and do a little jump. Yeah, that's that's what I love. And get the in grab and, and reverse punch, yes. right? Oh, yes. But you actually have a sparring story, Landon. I do, and it connects to that. So a few years back, I think maybe in 2019, Tensei Michelle hosted a tag team sparring competition. Which, just for the record, works just like tag team wrestling. Us. Okay, go ahead. And it was super fun. And I went in, and it was my first time fighting in an adult ring. So I always fought in a older child ring, but never in an adult ring. And I was with uh, this big guy. And on the other side was this powerhouse girl and another very tall person. And I'm going in and I'm fighting and whatever with this very tall person on the other side. And I go in to go for a punch and they kick me right in the stomach and I fall right back (laughs) and I slide right into one of the center judges. (laughs) Um, And although it hurt, it taught me so much. So I get back up and the next person's partner comes in and she hits me right down again. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I got a point on her. That was good. All right. So that's and a fun story. A huge part of, of the importance of sparring is learning to take a hit and not let it distract you to the point of being um, immobile. Us. Don't you guys agree with that? For yeah. sure. Any more stories before we push? I don't think so, Sensei. Because I have one more thing to finish this episode off, which I can't believe because it's already been so jam-packed. Who knows? Right? I saw this article in Wikipedia going back to Masoyama, who just for the record was one of Peter Urban's teachers. So he was in our history. Yes. It's about Kyokushin and it was totally worth mentioning. Oh my goodness. Start me out again, Landon. Oh my goodness. What is going on today? Well, it seems that Masayama invented a sparring test called the 100-man kumite, and it consists of 100 rounds of continuous fighting. That's right. Each round is one to two minutes long. So it's between 100 and 200 minutes long. Okay, so you're talking an hour and 40 minutes of hard sparring at its shortest, right? Yes, yes. Wow. Our fight tests are usually about an hour and a half for black belt, but they're not bare knuckle. No, that's it. And we have had some injuries through the years. That's really? a story for another oh, day. Yes. <laughs> also, when I was first starting out, they made the sparring test more like two hours. Do you remember how long yours was, Sensei Jane? It was an hour and a half or a little better. So just doing the math, the two hours is 180 minutes, right? Yes. And if you Plus. think that last 20 minutes up to 200 minutes is nothing then that means you have never tried it. That's right. Anyway, there's a little bit more about the 100-man committee. Us, we read that he was also the first person to complete the test and that he did it one time each day for three days. Really, yikes. I mean, just the beating your body would take to come back and do it again. It kind of reminded me of the way a triathlon is, Uh, only doing it again the next day. Right. 
reminded me of his body must feel like he went through a meat tenderizer mm. from all of the pounding. <laughs> I'm just going to repeat this again at the end of this episode. The only reason I haven't done biographies or any kind of follow-up on Gojin Yamaguchi, Masoyama, and of course, Peter Urban is because I'm waiting to talk to someone who actually knew them in person and get some inside information on there. That's what I'm waiting on. So if you're out there and you do somehow happen upon this podcast and you knew those people in person, please, oh, please. Get in touch and let me just yes. give you a holler. Okay, put us back on track, Landon. Us. And we read that the second person to do it was Steve Arneal in 1965. He's worth looking up. Really? He did a lot of interesting things, and he was a dedicated martial artist. That's so true. And the first woman to do it was in 2004, and her name is Naomi Ali. So I guess we're going to finish this picturing the fighting of 100 people in 100 minutes nonstop. I don't know if I can picture it. It definitely makes you want to eat some carbs ahead. (laughs) That's a tough day. Maybe a good pizza and pasta. And maybe a padded suit. You know, (laughs) you you pretend like you're a heavyweight and you put the padded suit on, then you gee over it. That's right. With all those muscles that are... (laughs) I have not changed that much. I just put on a few pounds. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? I feel hard. But if they needed to buy a padded suit, I bet they could find one at Honor Athletics, of course. And we're going to do a backwards order today. And I'm going to say Sensei Jackie's line. When you when you get in touch with Cynthia, please mention us, Wildcat Dojo. And she will give you a 10% discount and we will be grateful. Yes. And I surely hope that you call it at 770-945-5150. Enjoy your talking with her. She's a great woman. And you can order and contact them at honorathletics.com. And on that note, thanks again, Cynthia J, for being on. We love when you're on. Yes. Thank you. And everyone, please stay well. Oh, good one. It's time for our goodbyes. Bye, everybody. It was super fun. Bye, everybody. Sure hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. This was a fun one. And with that, I'm signing off. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hey, we're going to run our blooper episode soon, so I thought I'd add these in and get you all psyched and ready for it. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Wait, I got like a... Frog in your throat. No, puberty. (laughs) (coughs) I've got puberty in my throat? I don't think that works. Sunshine in my pocket. (laughs) That's right. A site called FindingKarate.com says that on October 28, 1957, the first All Japan Association Championship was held in Tokyo at the Metropolitan Museum. It was organized by the JKA. Although I love that it wasn't a museum, it was a gymnasium. (laughs) Could you say that again? Did I say museum? <laughs> but everybody would have said museum after Melody Metropolitan. Look, you can't quit laughing at it. You he must have been so... holding it in when you said it. I didn't mean to laugh at you. You guys are so <laughs> weird. Wait till we spar. Wait till we spar. Keep laughing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>